Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Laura Grise, you're struggling over there. What's going on? <laughs> I'm a mess again. You're never a mess. That's not true. I'm just going to support you unconditionally. <laughs> I won't let the world know what I'm really thinking. <laughs> I've got papers flying everywhere. My phone's falling. Uh, what do we got? Okay. Well, today I'm actually going to start off with lyrics of a song. Cool. Okay. And the theme is, it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. I hear that at least twice a day. Yeah, we're going to talk about that today. So lemons make lemonade, flowers bloom in the rain. Growing up is a pain and it is what it is. Okay, it's not the end of the world. There's always light where it burns. Just remember the words and it goes like this. It is what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is. It is what it is, what it is, what it is, what it is. And those are the lyrics of Jenna Rain's song that the girls and I sing really pretty often. It Let's is. hear it. What does it go like? No, stop it. Come on. <laughs> crickets, crickets. <laughs> no one ever takes me up on that often. Nope. So Adam, you and I are intrigued by this phrase. And my mom, your mom, so many people, they use this phrase. And it's usually when I feel like it normally would spark an intense emotion, but Right at that crescendo, they spit out the word, it is what it is. I'm always, I don't know if I'm let down or shocked, but then I just end up stopping the conversation because (laughs) when they say that, I don't know where to turn. I think what we do as we talk about going through the seasons, right? The whole cycle as it's a coping mechanism, but there's a way to cope with things where you're not shoving stuff under the rug, where you're dealing with what's really at the surface each moment. And then there's a way to cope to avoid things that you don't want to deal with. Right. And I think it is what it is. It's like in the seasonal flow, when you get to that point where life has manifested, it's produced a harvest. And if the harvest is a painful harvest, which is part of life, right? I mean, you get the full spectrum of harvests. When you get those, people have learned that they they kind of want to fast track to the part where it's like, it is what it is. There's, that's a wise statement, right? You're not getting caught up in the BS. You realize life is fleeting. Nothing is permanent, right? So, so it is what it is. You don't have to get stuck on these things. Absolutely. hundred percent. But it's all comes down to application, applying. It's like when we talked about, like, I don't know if you can call it, they talk about toxic positivity or we talked about gratitude. Like there is a time and a place for gratitude. You engender, you procure to get to a place of having genuine gratitude. Same thing with it is what it is. You get to a point where you've completely allowed your experience, whatever it may be, to turn over, to decay, to repurpose it then into your next round of growth. Then you can look back and it's like, yeah, that is what it is. It happens and I've gone through it and cool. But when you say it before you've actually let the crap out, then no. And that's the feeling I get with, and maybe it's that generation, but that's the feeling I get is that I'm not sure that they've gone through that process. Maybe they have. I don't know. Maybe they're skipping over and they don't feel like I need to hear it all. 
Here's what I would prefer. I would prefer when your brother was on, when Mike was on, and talked about how in 9-11 and how he went into his alter ego. And it took him years to let go of that alter ego, right? You don't want to hold on to alter egos outside of the space when you need them. But I get it. If you go through a traumatic experience, it's not just normal and okay. It's advantageous to be able to compartmentalize Mm -hmm. and to be like, this is too much to process right now. So I would prefer people to say, I'm going to go into my alter ego where I just have to like get, go through my life and then I will deal with this later when I feel a little bit more settled instead of trying to tie it in the bow of, oh, it is what it is. What are right. you going to do? Right. So I'm paralyzed. What are you going to like? No, that's traumatic. <laughs> like I lost a spouse. I lost a loved one. Like those are traumatic things that require letting go. And losing a spouse, I just wanted to say that it's when we join lives and I can't imagine that I'm alone here, but when we join lives, You can't help but think of the inevitable. One of us is going to go first, right? Yes. And then you talk about it all the time. I do. (laughs) I do because I think about it all the time. And I also think, how will I handle that situation? Will I handle it well? Will I handle it not well? Will I crumble? Will I say it is what it is, brush myself off and take my steps and not go through the process? Where's the shuffleboard court? (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to handle it, but who's to say you're the one who's going to go first? But anyway, okay. So. I noticed that today's guest, she was married 46 years, almost 46 years. And I noticed when I asked her about it and I asked her to be a guest on the show today, she said, it It is is what what it it is. is. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, all right, cool. We're going to do this show and we're going to capitalize on the it is what it is. So our guest today is Mary Austin. And Mary came to us about maybe six months ago or so maybe longer. And she was a referral from her oncologist. She was going through cancer treatment. And she is, well, first of all, if I can say that I think Mary is, like, she's one of my favorite people on this planet. Yeah, you've had an affinity for her from day one. I do. And she loves health and wellness. She's, her, her spirit, her energy, it's what I want to be. When I'm her age, I want to have that kind of energy. I want to have that kind of spirit. So, and Mary is here today. Hi, Mary. Hello. Hi. Hey, Mary. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I don't know what to expect. That's okay. You don't need to. Thanks for just coming on and being open to sharing your experience. It, yes. it really helps people when, when guests are open to talk about their lives and their the hard lives. times and to feel safe enough to do it. Man, it really, we get a lot of feedback from people like, that was really great to hear that story. And I, I'm going through something similar. So we appreciate you coming on, Mary, and mm-hmm. sharing your story with us. So, Mary, would you mind telling us, giving us a little background about when you and Ronnie met and then how long you were together and then the whole process of losing him just before when you heard the news and just share us your experience so people can either relate or also you've got people, like I said before, when people get married and they decide to, this is a very vulnerable time where you realize, all right, you're going to join lives, you're going to build lives. But one of us is going to go first. And so this is just a very helpful piece for so many people, actually. Okay. Well, Ronnie and I met in high school. We're both military brats, so we had that connection. We met up after college lifeguarding. That's adorable. (laughs) Well, so, and I don't know how healthy we were at the time. We dated five weeks, got married five months later. 
like impulsive. And nobody pulled us aside and said, hey, no, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so we just kind of winged it Fantastic. together. Our parents both retired at Fort Monroe in the Hampton Roads area. So we stayed around wanting to help family. We worked different shifts so that our kids didn't have to be in childcare. Then when Ronnie retired, we moved to California to be with my daughter and her family to help her with her kids so they didn't have to be in childcare. And we gave it a two-year window. And when our lease was up, we decided to move to Dunedin, Florida, which is paradise. So we were living the life. We could walk or ride our bikes to the beach. We had kayaks and bikes and had a good life. And then Ronnie lost about 30 pounds. And we found out that was over a year and nobody caught it. And we found out he had stage four esophageal cancer. So it was only six months after that that he died in hospice. And then I lived in a flood zone and I was fortunate enough. I put the house up for sale. It sold the first day over price, and I moved to North Carolina last March. Lots of changes. Lots of changes in under a year, right? Yes. So with all that going on and picking up and moving your entire life from Florida, moving up to North Carolina, you didn't have time to even process. I mean, you didn't even have time to process the hurricane. Wait, did you move from the hurricane as well or no? Well, I didn't mention that, but Ronnie died in a hospice on Sunday, and we evacuated. Well, we left the hospital, went home to put everything up, and left to come to stay with my daughter in North Carolina, because we were expecting uh, wave surges from Hurricane Ian. And then, two weeks after that, I broke my femur. So, it was a lot. One thing after the next. And so, you had so much going on. There wasn't time to process. And do you feel like at this point now, because it's been a year and a half, a little over a year and a half, correct? Close to a year and a half. Okay. So do you feel like you've had the chance to sit in that silence and just grieve, allow yourself to grieve his loss or no, not yet? Well, what I think I have done and what I've actually done, I don't think are the same. (laughs) I didn't know there was anything offensive about saying it is what it is. I thought that was a positive thing that you had accepted something, a a new reality. If you accept it, yes, 100%. I don't want to give the wrong impression here or we don't that Mm -hmm. it is what it is, is not a toxic thing to say. It is the place you want to get to when you realize everything in life comes and goes. You genuinely have, it is what it is. Like, I don't have to get hot and bothered. But the question is, do we say that sometimes when there is still stuff that we really are hot and bothered over and we're just saying it to kind of put a lid on it so we don't have to really deal with the pain? Well, like I say, I see it. I think I'm doing well, but I know I have a lot of healing for my soul. Am I a slow learner? I take a long time. What do you and I always say that we are? Well, we say we're late bloomers. Late bloomers, right. And when I think about the different tough times that I had in my life, I don't process it immediately. I shove it down first. And I take years to I know. process. <laughs> I take years to process things. And I thought it was really interesting because when we were thinking about doing this podcast and this theme, We thought it would be interesting to look at the different cultures and how they handle loss, which I thought was really interesting because when you look at the Western side or even America, actually, I have to look this up. 
After 12 months of grieving, if a person is still grieving after 12 months, it's actually considered a disorder and it's called prolonged grief disorder. (laughs) You're diagnosed with prolonged grief disorder. But if you go on the other end of the spectrum and you go to Egypt, tearful grieving, like intense grieving, is still accepted after seven years. And I would be more on the Egypt side because I wouldn't grieve during the 12 months. I would shove (laughs) stuff down, but then it would come out later. And so I would probably be considered as prolonged grieving disorder. In the West, I think (laughs) it's silly. I think it's silly to put a timeline on it in any which way, because if you know the sequential flow of natural order, all you have to do is honor it and you will move forward. It's just not even a question. It's not like some cliffhanger here. And it's not for me to say to little Adam inside, come on, man, we've been upset about this long. If I'm upset, I'm upset. It's just my responsibility to make sure I'm allowing it to vent out. Because then you could go through, say, if it takes seven years to vent, then fine. I mean, you have to show up, right? If you have a hundred bags of garbage in your house, it's going to take longer to get the garbage out than if you have one bag. So I don't care to tell people how much garbage they have inside. Just if it's inside, get it out. It might be too big to get it out all at once. It's definitely healthy to do it in spurts, in waves. You can't just be like, I'm going to grieve 24-7 for a year. How do you know when it's stuck inside of you? How does Mary know or how would I know? I would think that I would go that it is what it is route because that's kind of how I handle things. I think, first of all, very appropriate in the immediate aftermath, right? There's just so much to do. You're in shock, right? right? So it's not like, come on, start being tearful, right? It's not saying like, let's go, let's go, let's go. At first, you're going to have to kind of get your bearings, right? You have to find an orientation point in the world around you to anchor into so you can have the foundation to go through the heinous process of grieving, right? So So that has to be at a later time, not in all the craziness. Well, yeah. So I'm saying like it's in the acute phase, no one generally is going to just jump right into it, right? They're going to have to kind of consolidate a little bit, get their bearings and just deal with even just what has to get done. Mary mm-hmm. moved like just no, your whole life. So and then much stuff going there's so on. So much. So it's not that like you do anything wrong by not dealing with it right away. It's just that once you solidify, once you catch your breath, then it's time to go back. And at that point, your mind might be saying, Hey, we're fine. We gotta live our lives. Like, let's be happy. My spouse would have wanted me to be happy. It's right. easy to say that, but like you said, like you asked, how would you know? A, if you can't talk about it, you haven't processed it. If when you think about it, you get emotional, you have stuff to process. Right, right. Okay. Well, I'm going to say another loss that my family had was my son was to be married during COVID. So that was canceled twice his wedding. And the big trip was to go to Spain for his wedding and we couldn't make the trip. So my son ended up eloping. My son had a really hard time with my husband's death. How did he handle it? Well, he did online telehealth or whatever, but I don't know how he's doing. He doesn't have a you. Well, he took a step. And by the same token, you took a step. And to be honest, I think you initially reached out. It was more in the physical sense, but it became apparent right away that there was this how much you've gone through. And you're just such a warrior. You're just one of those kind of like old school. And I appreciate the persona where people are like, you're not going to shy away from life and you're going to say, no, we got to go. That is fantastic. You'll always have that. 
But that's kind of where we met. Like, what do I got to do? Like, let me just, I need to get my life in order. And then I was like, hey, before you build, I think there's some stuff to let go of here. And to your credit, Mary, I think you've been doing the work now for months. It's just not that easy, is it? It's not even having a whole new lifestyle. That's what I wanted to ask you. I remember fairly early on, you had talked about how even right down to cooking and using the dishwasher, I think you said that Ronnie had done all that, right? Right. And and so can you just talk or walk us through all that, just that relearning or learning how to get on your feet on your own? And you are on your own. I know you live near your kids. But truth be told, I mean, you are on your own. You moved up here and you had no friends up here. Sure, you have your kids, but your kids have their lives as well. So can you just talk us through a little bit of that rebuilding process? Yeah, I live only about 15 minutes from my daughter and her family, and I don't see them regularly, except I'll do carpools or whatever. But I am reminded quite often about things that my husband used to take care of when the lights went out briefly. And the next day I had to change the stove and microwave time. I was really proud of myself that I could do that. We had the best lawn in the neighborhood. I've had to get a lawn service. My husband and I didn't eat the same, but he would literally boil the water for me for my pasta. (laughs) I still am not comfortable, don't want to be in the kitchen. I did buy myself a shark vac and I do vacuum. He used to do all the floors. I didn't realize what a kept woman I was for all those years. But on the flip side, I was the one that handled all the finances and all the paperwork. And truth be told, he would have had a really hard time with that if I went first. Yeah, that's a good partnership. That's Mm -hmm. how it does go. And unfortunately, that's what you're talking about before, Laura, where there's someone's going to go first and that whole it is what it is thing. It would make sense, Mary, for you to have to take a little bit of time before you're going to start unraveling because you already feel like overwhelmed from, like you're saying, all these little things that you don't even necessarily think of, of how intertwined your lives are and how interdependent it becomes. It makes sense for you to say, hey, I know I have to deal with this loss, but right now I need to just get my life in order. I have to survive. I have to survive, right? (laughs) I have to go into that alter ego and get my life situated So it feels stable enough that I can let go of the reins and then go through this healing crisis, right? Right. Go through this grieving process. So, I mean, it sounds like there was just a lot on your plate besides just, hey, I need to get over the loss of my husband here. Your life was completely shaken from the foundation up and you're still in the process of figuring it out. Yeah. Yes, very much so. And even though I knew, we never talked about who's going first. We made the trust. We picked out the final resting place. But even when he was diagnosed, we were so busy getting him to appointments and that we didn't really have end-of-life discussions. Like what? Like just reflecting on our life together. We just didn't expect we had a stroke at home and didn't recover. When you were in those moments, was there a really, really big fear that was standing out in your mind of when you knew he was going? No. Well, once he got to hospice and they don't feed him, it's just a matter of days. But he was unresponsive at that time. 
So Mary, can you tell us now that you've kind of dropped in to that grieving process, it's kind of a hybrid and that's kind of how it usually looks where you get to a point where it's not like your life is fully set up. It's not like you're fully comfortable with the new landscape, but you're kind of doing your housekeeping in the sense that there's part of you that needs to grieve and you've been allowing that and part of you that needs to set your life up and you've been doing that. But can you talk about the process of allowing the emotions to come up, the loss to come up, that vulnerable kind of out of control side? what that actually looks like day to day, week to week at this point for you? Well, that's a hard question. I talk to him all the time. I have gone back to Virginia, but I guess that's what I need the help with. I don't know. I thought I was doing, <laughs> I thought I was doing well. I think you, you are, are doing, doing well. well. I think the whole point is that this is what it really looks like when you take off the lid of it is what it is. This is what it looks like. Right. And it makes sense that our minds are wired to try to avoid pain. Like, I like it. Our mind's doing a good job trying to keep us in our safe container. There's nothing wrong with a mind that's doing that. It's just that, like you're doing now, you need to be the bigger person in the room. You need to be the adult in the room that goes beyond the mind's desires and resistance to doing the hard work. And truthfully, Mary, even though it doesn't feel good, you're doing the good work because you're creating a healthy rhythm. You're in natural order, which means things will die and rebirth will happen. And as that happens, you come out on the other side and you start enjoying the first signs of spring, but it never happens fast enough and definitely not for the mind. So I think you are doing it the right way, Mary. You are. It seems like your timing seems to be pretty darn perfect to me. You've gone through the craziness and the chaos and you're settling into that silence and you're allowing yourself to go through the process because you're so into health and wellness. You're not willing to skip over this part, which is partly why I think you sought awakenings out. I could be wrong. I mean, I know your physical health is top notch and I mean, the way you eat, is top notch and you can't skip over the mental and emotional part. And now you're delving into that. And honestly, I have to say, Mary, that in probably the last year and a half, two years of doing the podcast, I have really, really wanted to touch on this topic, but I have never known anyone that I could ask because it's such a vulnerable time and topic. Not many people would say yes to this. So I really do appreciate you coming on here because I know it can't be easy to talk about this. Well, I appreciate your asking me. And there's a quote that runs in my reel and it's death ends a life, not a relationship. I like that. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's so much of the holding on when something's, and it doesn't matter, right? Death occurs in so many different ways. The holding on is we're so afraid of losing something. We think it's once it goes, it goes, but mm. it just transforms. You said you speak to Ron. Can you talk a little bit about that, of what you have found at this point? I think you still have more to go. And in that sense, I think you'll have even a deeper connection with Ronnie that surfaces on the other side. But up to this point, what have you found in when you let go more and more, what that does in terms of your relationship, your new relationship with Ronnie? Well, I don't ever want him to not be around. And they leave, but they stay. They stay in your heart. And my daughter gave me pictures from his life, what a celebration of life service. And I see those 
and I have to say something when I go by. And I was fortunate to be able to, for his memorial service, we went back and the service was officiated by our home church priest from Yorktown, Virginia. And it was in the chapel that we got married in. And it was quite special. So I have tried to honor him. He never wanted attention, but he did get his military honors after the service. When you use that quote, death ends a life, not a relationship, when I was speaking about the different cultures and how they handle loss and grief and mourning, one of the cultures that were mentioned, I believe it's Africa, but I'm not sure about it, but it talks about how it doesn't end. For them, it's a continuation continuation of spirit. And there are a lot of cultures that continue on, like you said, with the relationship. The person never goes away. I mean, I know when we were in San Diego, people used to put food on the graves, remember, because Mm -hmm. Mabel Mm -hmm. would go around and eat it. But (laughs) (laughs) my dog, people would put food on the graves in honor. So it wasn't an end. It was a continuation. And I think that's really important. I think that I would do that because I don't feel like those spirits go away. To me, that brings it full circle, really, because the ability to make space inside is what allows us to love truly again. And if we want to truly feel that love connection, unfortunately, you got to go through the painful part of letting the actual pain to release. And most people just don't want to let go, right? Because they like, and they're holding on to actually the pain, right? Because they're so afraid if they let go of that, they won't be able to connect again. But just to the point, when you go through that grieving process and genuinely, and it it happens in waves, it can take a long, long time. The more you make space inside, the more you have access to love again. And that love will inevitably land on that person, right? I mean, you're going to open you up to them and continue and build that relationship still. That's why when I hear it is what it is. It's that concept. It's the what's being missed here is the chance to have an actual ongoing relationship with what you're missing. And it just, it's a big leap of faith because the mind sees things so black and white. And it's like, no, the person's gone. So if I let go of this, poof. The physical body is, but not the spirit. And that's the hard part is to just say, we can let go of what was, and it gives us a chance to reconnect on a different level that maybe the mind can't conceptualize. Maybe Mm -hmm. the mind doesn't understand. It doesn't fit in the realm of the intellect. You can't see it. You can't touch it. But but yes, love is infinite, right? Love transcends dimensions. And if you want to still maintain that connection of love with anybody or anything, You have to go through that process of grieving and it's really then nice if you don't have something in place that prevents it by just having a catchphrase. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, hey, it is what it is. So that's kind of my whole take on it. I'm just, Mary, your vulnerability with this is exactly the strength that's Mm -hmm. required. Most people think strength is I have gone through, I'm a warrior and I've experienced A, B, and C and I just put my head down and barreled through it. No, true strength is doing what you're doing, Mary. True strength is is being vulnerable and allowing wounds to heal. And that's what keeps the love alive. So thank you for being on. It's just, I think it helps a lot of people. Yeah. We're all going to have our own death journey. It's just some people go before us. Right. Hey, it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I went to grief counseling through hospice and it was awesome. 
And we were all there because we'd lost a spouse. And counselor said that losing a spouse is a different, well, every grief is different, but different kind of loss because we chose each other. And that is so true. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's not easy. Like you said, there's so many different types of loss, but to have that playbook where you know what's required, and again, mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to happen in the immediate, but to come back to that, it's not easy. Not easy at all. And definitely when you've chosen someone as your person and then you've intertwined with them mm-hmm. for nearly mm-hmm. half a century, boy, oh boy. I mean, that's a lot of untangling right there. So thank you, Mary, thank you, for Mary. being on and sharing with us. I'm looking forward to seeing you soon. Well, thank you for coaching me. I'm very proud to know you both. Thanks, Mary. We got a lot of love for you, Mary. I do. Okay, well, until next week, nothing but love. If you are enjoying Magic Seeds podcast, spread the love by doing a few things so others can enjoy it as well. Wherever you are listening, Spotify, iTunes, Google, just click on the plus sign. That way you can follow us and not miss an episode. If you would be so gracious to give us an outstanding rating, we'd be forever grateful. And please share an episode or two with a loved one if you think it'll help. This way we can help more people. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can PM Magic Seeds 2023 Instagram, or you can friend us on Magic Seeds Facebook group and PM us there. Thank you so, so much. Nothing but love. Love.